Verses 18 through 25, we, we began, uh, not last week, last week we was all snowed in, or some of us was snowed in, some of us was clear as a bell, nothing was going on. Uh, but last week, two weeks ago, we began a study in Matthew, and I love the Gospels. I love the, uh, reading the Gospels because it's the story of Jesus Christ. And that's who we want to see, that's who we want to learn about. That's our, the cry of our heart, the cry of your heart when you walk into church on Sunday morning, the cry of your heart when you open up your Bible to read it should be, show me the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to see Him. I want to know Him. I want to serve Him. I, I want it to be all about Him. So the cry of our heart when you hear a preacher on Sunday morning should be, don't tell me about you. Don't tell me about your kids. Tell me about Jesus. I want to know about Him. That's what we want. I, I don't want more of me. I want less of me. He must increase and I must decrease. We want more of Jesus. And we're going to have that heart cry for the new year. We want more of Christ. So we open up the Gospels and we're going to study 28 chapters about the Lord Jesus Christ. And as it starts out, it'll go through his story, through his life. And you know if you're going to go through the life of somebody, chapter 1 is going to be about their birth. So that's where we are in this passage today. Is It's the, the Christmas story, the birth of Christ. And I know that you guys love this. I mean, not every passage you guys want to say, I'm excited, this is great, we want this. But it's the birth of Christ. Everybody in this room should be happy and have warm feelings saying, we get to study about the birth of Christ. We get to study Christmas today. So that's what we're going to do. A favorite passage, a familiar passage. And I didn't realize, but this passage is loaded with truth about Christ and about who He is. So I want to teach you about Him today. I want you to walk out of here knowing more about Christ than when you came in. So let's stand together. We'll read this passage. I titled this, this sermon, The Birth of the King, because that's who Jesus is. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And here is His birth. And this passage today, it ought to captivate us. It ought to, to fascinate us. It deserves our careful attention. So we'll take just a, about an hour today. I know you guys love that. An hour today and study this passage. So I'm going to read to you starting in verse 18. We'll read through verse 25. It says, Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And, I love this, and she shall bring, my eyes always go to verse 21 in this passage, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. Verse 22. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took him unto him his wife, and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the birth of the king. Let's pray together and then we'll study this passage. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the story of our Savior, Jesus. We love him more than anything in this world. He is our number one priority. He's who we live for. And we pray, God, that you would show us by your spirit, like a light shining in a dark room, enlighten our minds and our eyes that we may see Jesus. As those men said in the Gospel of John, Sirs, we must see Jesus. And that's what we want here today. So we say, God, show us 
Jesus. And we need your help. We can't even read these scriptures without the help of the Holy Spirit. So to teach them, to preach them, to understand them, to apply them, we know we need your help. So help us here today. Maintain our focus. Give us careful attention to these marvelous words here this morning. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. If there's one unforgettable moment in your life, it is the birth of one of your children. I know that I've had four, and you will never forget that first cry. When you're sitting in a delivery room, and most of, most of the time it's the same thing. You go in there, your, your wife has a harder time delivering the baby than, than the husband does. Uh, <laughs> I'm sitting there sweating and having a hard time, and I'm sitting there just you know, ready to pass out. And Steph looks at me like, what are you having a hard time about? Uh, but you'll never forget that first cry of that baby as it is born, and you hear that, that cry, and you know this is my child, and this is beautiful, and this is wonderful. It's a miracle when a baby is born, and I've had four, and, and it never gets old. It, it makes me want to have more. I mean, Seth still will say, you know, maybe just because we want to hear that first cry. But, you know, maybe not that first diaper change, maybe not, not that first, but that first cry is just so wonderful. You never forget it. Uh, it it's so, and I want to stress this to you, it's a miracle. Every child that is born is a miracle of God. Amen. If you think about it, it's just the, the, the most outstanding. We don't think about it as a miracle. You know why we don't? Because it's so common. Because there are thousands upon thousands of babies born every day. And it's never a headline news situation where in the newspaper you wake up and it says, baby born of woman, you know. Nobody, nobody says, oh, well, that, that's just outstanding. That's a miracle. But it is. But we, we see it so much. We see it it's so common and it's so usual and so normal and it's an everyday thing. I mean, and I've had four, so I know what it's like. You go, you go in, you bring your bags, and, and there your wife is with a, with a big belly. And you know there's a baby in there. And then you walk in, and she has a baby. And you sign the papers, and then you walk out. She has this big belly, and now she walks out with no belly, and you've got a baby. It's just, and, and I know some of y'all, every one of you has been through this because all of you were born at some point. So we all know what this is like. It happens all the time. It happens every day. It's common. It's, it's, it's typical. It's, it's normal. It's, it, nothing really stands out about it anymore because it just happens all the time. Every birth seemingly happens in the exact same way every single time. I mean, that's why all four of the births of my children kind of all stand out. I mean, it's every time the same thing. Here's your redhead. That same thing. Here's your redhead. Same thing. Here's your redhead. You know, it's just the same thing over and over. It's just like on repeat. Here he goes every time. And I kind of want to have a fifth one just to see if it's going to be. Here's you another redhead. It's just so normal, so typical. Nothing stands out about it usually. But there is one birth in the history of the world that's unlike every other birth that's ever happened. All of our births are pretty much the same. But there's one that is different. There's one that stands out. There's one that is unique among all births that has ever taken place in the history of the world. And it is the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His birth stands out unique from every birth that has ever taken place in our history. No birth has ever been like this and no birth will ever be like this ever again. This birth stands out. This birth is completely and totally unique. There's none like this one. This is an amazing birth that we're going to look at today. It is truly extraordinary. It's not your average birth. It's so unique that it is celebrated every year. I mean, nobody celebrates my birth every year. I mean, we celebrate it like a handful of people show up, but the whole world celebrates this birth. That's how unique it is. I mean, you can't get around it this time of year. You watch it on, on the movie screen, on the TV. It's, it's 30 days of Christmas, and there Christ's name is. I love it. 
And, and then you, you go into the shopping stores and it's Christmas everywhere. Christmas carols singing through the speakers and everybody's wishing everybody a Merry Christmas. The whole world celebrates the birth of this child. That's how unique it is. We celebrate it. We love it. We spend months talking about it. So you, you ask this question, and here's the question that this passage is going to answer. What's so special about the birth of Jesus? These eight verses are here to tell us what's so special about that birth. These verses are here to tell us why we celebrate that birth at Christmas. If you have any trouble of trying to figure out what, why it is we celebrate Christmas like we do, these verses will answer that question. It'll tell us why this birth is so special. And it's not, and I want, I want to go ahead and tell you why it is. It's not because the parents were extraordinary. They were poor and unknown. They were nobodies. They were little teenagers that nobody else knew. So it's not that their parents were spectacular. It's not because they were born by the best, he was born by the best doctors in the nicest place, in the nicest hospital, because he wasn't. This birth was lowly by their standards. Especially by our standard. We had a nice hospital. We had nice beds. We had, even after you get done, they hand you a, a nice steak dinner to celebrate that you just had a child. There's none of that here. That's not what makes it special at all. It's not the circumstances. He was born in a manger, in a feeding trough. So what is it that makes this birth so special? You want to know what it is? It's because of who it is that's born. What makes this birth so special is the baby that was born. And you need to understand this. You need to grab this because the, the whole point of this is to show us this special birth is pointing us to a special baby. You, you with me? The special birth that stands out from all other births in the history of the world that is extraordinary, that is set apart, that is holy. This birth is pointing us to a man that is special, a man that is extraordinary, a man that is unique, a man that stands out as different than every man, woman, and child that has ever been born. It's showing us that Jesus is extraordinary. We're all a bunch of ordinary people, but Jesus stands out head and shoulders above all them as the extraordinary man. So it's pointing the whole world. This birth points the whole world. Even the stars shining down on him. It's pointing the world to Jesus. This baby makes the birth special. So let's look at it today. Let's get all eyes on Jesus and study this birth. You see that in verse 18? I always give it careful attention because verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise. That if you in my own way of wording it, now, the birth of Jesus Christ was like this. That's what those first words say. So let's look at the birth of Jesus Christ. I'll give you three headings as we work our way through this, just describing this birth. Number one, and you can write these things down. You can take them to memory. This is our way of working through this passage. But number one, it was a supernatural birth. This is a supernatural birth. Read with me just in verse 18, and we'll just cover this one verse right now. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was like this. That when his mother, and we're going to see two characters here, when his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So you see here, it's a supernatural story. And I'm going to tell you, to just get through the story here, you see it's a story of their betrothal. It says that they were spouse to Joseph. It's called a betrothal. It's, it's an engagement. So you have on one hand, you have this young girl named Mary. She's probably, they say, from 12 to 16 years old. Somewhere in that, in that range. 
And then you have a, and she's unknown. We don't know much about her. And then you have who she's engaged to is Joseph. He's a young man, a poor, hardworking nobody that God chose. Nobody. And then we see their engagement or their espousal. And I want to just kind of work through this and explain to you what an espousal is, an engagement. We know what that is in our time. If you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, you go steady. I don't have to use that terminology anymore. But when, when you know, me and Steph, we, we, you know, do you want to go steady? Do you want to, you know, that, that sort of thing. You get your class rings. You get to wear your, you know, letterman jacket and all that good stuff. So that's kind of, they, they was even further than that in their stage. They only had two stages. You were engaged and you were married. So they were engaged. And the engagement would last a year. And this engagement was a contract. You, you, you actually signed your name on the dotted line and you promised yourselves to each other. It was binding. It was legal. It was uh, official. It was, you, you were legally married, but for one thing, you, you, didn't, you didn't have the celebration yet. You didn't have the, the wedding feast yet. You didn't have the, the joining of each other together yet. You wasn't living together yet. Officially, you were married to each other. You belonged to each other, but you hadn't come together yet. So that's where they are. They're engaged to each other, officially binding legally together. And then they would move on to a wedding, and they would consummate it, and they would move in with each other, and they'd, they'd be a married couple. But they haven't gotten to that point yet. They're just engaged. To break off this engagement would be illegal. You would break a binding contract. So they're together. But it says before. You notice this word before? So when his mother Mary was espoused to, and you can use the word engaged, betrothed to, you like that old word there, betrothed. I wanted to, use, I like that word, to Joseph. Then I underline that word before. Before they came together. Before the, and I'm gonna be very careful here. Before they came together means before they consummated their marriage. She was a virgin. She had never been with a man. This is before they came together. God values purity before marriage. Before him and her had consummated the marriage, God always values it and commands it. Before they came together, what's this? She was found to be pregnant with a child by the Holy Spirit. This is where it gets supernatural. This is where it goes extraordinary. This is where it's a little, I will say one say a little bit. This is where it's a lot different than ours. Because we see this, and it says, we see that she's a virgin. It's before she's been with any man at all. And it says, by the Holy Spirit. So you can stop and pause there. She is pregnant by the Holy Spirit of God. That's extraordinary. That's supernatural. That's, that's out of this world. That's, that's from heaven. She is pregnant with child from heaven. I mean, we can sit and think about that and say, oh, I've heard that all before. But if you really sit and try to wrap your minds around it. This is outstanding. Yes. Virgins don't have babies. Amen. And here she is, and she's a virgin, pregnant by the Holy Spirit. I mean, that, that's just a, an amazing statement. It may be familiar to us, but imagine that this is the first time you've ever heard this. Imagine if somebody today comes walking in. I mean, you, some, some little teenager comes walking in, and she's pregnant, and, she, and you sit there and say, you're not married yet. And she's, oh, oh, it's my God. I've never slept with anybody. <laughs> How many of you would roll your eyes and say, that's a big lie? So that, that's what everybody's thinking here. This is an outstanding statement. I mean, this is causes a whole lot of trouble, not just in that time, but for us here today. You say, why does it cause trouble? Because throughout history, it's been attacked. And there's been a struggle with this because people don't want to believe this. This is, I mean, that, that we, we may just take it and say, yeah, I believe that. That's easy for us to believe. But a lot of people, the Muslims, Jews, they don't believe this at all. 
And there's so many out there. You may talk. Some of you may be here today. You say, I don't believe that. that that's, a, that's, that's a miracle. That's something that I just can't believe. And, and that's because, again, virgins don't have babies. But here it is. Many will doubt this. I even read some commentaries this week where the scholars said this may be true, but I'm not sure. Christian colleges, Christian universities, Christians will say, I'm not sure about this. Some deny it and say that Jesus was born uh, an illegitimate son of a Roman soldier, and this is all a bunch of made-up stories to try to make him seem divine. But we don't doubt it. I stand here today to tell you this. We don't doubt it. We, we, we don't deny it. We declare it. This is true. This is what the Bible says, and we do not doubt it at all. It is a miracle. That's the whole point of this, that, that, they want to, that God wants to show us that this child is different than every other child that's ever been born. This child comes from God. It's a miracle that God supernaturally, by the Holy Spirit, intervenes and does something out of this world. And that's what a miracle is. And, if you, and I love this. At the, on the very first page of Matthew, there's a divine, supernatural miracle. And if you're going to deny this one, you're going to have a whole lot of trouble with the rest of Matthew. This is just where it starts now. I mean, it, it starts with a, a miraculous supernatural birth, and then he's going to have a life where he's going to do a miracle here and a miracle there and a miracle all over the place. And then he's going to, he's going to go to a cross, and, and he's going to die, and he's going to be buried, and then there's going to be a great miracle where he's risen again on the third day. Oh, my! If you can't believe the birth, you'll never believe the resurrection. And then he ascended into heaven, and he's coming back again one day. If you can't believe the birth, you're going to have trouble with the rest of Jesus. Our religion, Christianity, is a miraculous religion. And if, you can't, if you're going to deny here, you'll deny everywhere else. So we declare, we believe that Jesus was virgin born. We don't doubt it. We don't deny it. We believe it. And then let me tell you what it says about Jesus. You ready for this? Number one, it says, we see that he's born of woman. So he's the son of man. He is flesh and blood. He is, theologians would say, truly man in every conceivable way, just like us. He had emotions. When he took on, I read a quote this week that said, when Jesus took on our flesh, he took on our feelings too. And what we feel he felt, Jesus got angry. Jesus cried. Jesus had all the same emotions that we have today. He was fully human, flesh and blood. He was Mary's boy. She held him in her arms. And it wasn't a silent night. I love that song. We're going to sing it for communion in a few weeks. And next week, I love silent night, holy night. But it wasn't a silent night. Jesus was a, a, a baby boy, a, a true human. He was man. So you better believe when that baby... I said one of the most memorable things in a birth is that first cry. And then there's going to be countless cries after that. <laughs> Jesus as a man cried just like every other baby cried. He was truly man. Just like us. But without sin. You say, how can he be without sin? Because we're all born with a sin nature. How can we, how can he be man but without sin? Well, I'm glad you asked those questions. Because right here's the next thing you see. He was number one, born of woman. And number two, he was born of God. 
you see that? Do you understand that? He was born of the Holy Spirit, which is, we believe, the Trinity. So the God is God the Father, God the Son. When I say God, I mean God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All one. Amen. I want you to understand that. So we see the Holy Ghost here. It's saying Jesus was born of Mary and of God. So he's not just the Son of Man. He is the Son of God. When we say he is truly man, with that same breath, we say he is truly God as well. He is the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is fully divine. It says in this passage three times that he was not born of Joseph. He was born of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit like, like he did at Genesis 1 when he brought life into the darkness of the world. He brings life into her womb. He is true and full deity. Jesus is, as I said, get this. He is truly human in every way like us, but without sin. He is also truly God in every single way. Amen. What a marvelous miracle this is. Do you see how supernatural this is? He is the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody else like him. This is, an, I get it, a profound mystery, the most extraordinary miracle in the Bible. And I want you to see this. It makes him, and this is moving my second point, this is a great transition, who he is, the God-man, makes him truly unique and uniquely qualified to be our Savior. Nobody else can save us. He had, and I want you to picture this, as God one hand in heaven and as man one hand in earth. Why did he do that? You picture that with me? Here's God and here's man. And they come together in Jesus Christ so that he might save his people from their sins. Only, you see, that we can't save ourselves. It takes a supernatural miracle of God Amen. to save us. So the second point, you see that first point was the supernatural birth. I want to show you verses 19 through 21, a saving birth. Look at verse 19. It gets a little bit complicated here. Because now Mary, at some point, you can go to Luke 2, and Mary goes and tells Joseph. Now, how do you think Joseph is going to react to this? <laughs> I mean, he's engaged. They're legally bonding together. I mean, he's thinking in a few months, she's going to be my wife. He loves her with all of his heart. And she comes walking up to him and says, you know what? Uh, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, so she, you've cheated on me. Angry. And she's like, no, 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 you, you got it wrong. Baby's from God. I mean, can you imagine in his eyes, he's almost going to turn and say, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. <laughs> Let earth receive her king. That's not in his mind. That's not what's going on. So look what he does here in verse 19. Then, and I love Joseph. You know that in all the stories of, of the birth, all the stories of the Bible, Joseph never says a word. He's a smart man. <laughs> never gets himself in any trouble. <laughs> Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, I love that, Amen. a righteous man, yeah. he's a good man. I wish my tombstone would say that. Yeah. You're like Josh, a just man, a good man, a righteous man. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Joseph was a great guy. 
And he had options here, which he come and told him. He could have easily publicly shamed her. Here's, here's, here's the two options he had. He could publicly shame her. That's an option. Option number one. And I want you guys to think about this. If you're a man here today and, you gotta, and you're engaged and she comes and, and, and tells you I'm pregnant and it's by God, you have, you have two options here. You can put her away publicly and you can scorn her and you can, this is the by the law, by the book, if you turn to Deuteronomy, I'm not going to make you turn there, but if you go to the book of Deuteronomy and you read how the law describes this, that if you have a, an engagement and if she cheats on you and she gets pregnant by another man, then you bring her before court with two or three witnesses and, and then you can stone her, legally kill her, capital punishment for adultery. That's how serious God takes adultery. We treat it like it's no big deal at all today. Premarital sex happening all over the place. Extramarital sex happening all over the place and we post it on Facebook and God says no in the Old Testament you die for this that's how serious God takes it so option number one take her to court and stone her to death thank goodness Joseph was a good man <laughs> so option number two is one publicly shame her and she dies option number two privately divorce her He, I guess he had option number three is to marry her. But she's been unfaithful. She's broken the law of God. And you don't marry someone like that. So those are the only two options. Publicly shame her. Privately divorce her. It's the only options that he had. And Joseph, being a good man, doing what's right, not doing what he wants to do. We need a generation of people that do what's right, not what they want to do. When was the last time you said, I want to do this, but it's wrong, so I'm going to do what's right, even if I don't want to? We need that type of people. And that's what Joseph's doing. He might have wanted to do something else, but he decided, I'm going to do what's right and just. And look what he does. He loves the law. He wants to do what's right. He loves Mary. He wants to be kind. So he decides to put her away privately. A quiet divorce, no spectacle. And it would be a divorce. No spectacle, no shame, no ruining of her reputation. No publicly putting it on Facebook. I know they didn't have Facebook back then. But not, not going to make, it, make, make her look bad in any way at all. Quiet divorce. You see that? Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make a public example, was minded to put her away. Put her away, that, in the Greek, that is divorce her privately. That was a hard decision for him. Because in verse 20, it says he goes to bed with it on his mind. While he thought on these things, he goes to sleep. And we do these things, don't we? We go to bed with our biggest problems weighing in our minds. He loved this girl. He was going to marry this girl. She was his future. And now he's going to divorce her. Pretty sure she's lied to him. <laughs> I mean, virgins don't have babies. <laughs> so he goes to sleep thinking about these things. What am I going to do? How am I going to make it? I never planned for this. This isn't how I had my life planned. This isn't what I expected. He probably had grand plans. He was a carpenter. He was going to run his carpenter business with his wife, Mary, and they were going to have children. They were going to grow old together and pass that business on down to their sons. He had his whole life probably planned out, and here he finds out his wife has been unfaithful. What am I going to do? And in the midst of what looks like a divorce at the first Christmas, God shows up. But while he thought on those things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared. 
God shows up exactly when we need it. At his lowest. And I can imagine you can too, him sitting in bed wondering, what am I going to do? How am I going to make it? What's everybody going to think about me? I can't do it. Probably tears flowing down his face. I have to do what's right. I have to, to put her away privately. I have to divorce her. I must do what's right. I can't believe she's done this to me. But God shows up. But don't you love when God shows up exactly when you need it? At the, in, the, in the nick of time, God intervenes and He does those sort of things. At the last moment when you think there's no hope at all. When, when he may have been ready to divorce her the next day. But God says, no! And look what He does in verse 20. He shows up. The angel of the Lord appeared. It's like God in heaven says, I need you to go down there and explain these things to Him. And He does. Look, but while He thought on these things, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. And he said, Thou son of David, fear not. I love that. Don't worry. That's what that means. When you see fear not in the Bible, it means don't worry. It means he was worried. He was scared. He didn't know what was going to happen to him. He didn't know what was going to happen at all. And, and he shows up. And can you imagine that angel says, fear not? And if you're Joseph, you're like, really? <laughs> Easy for you to say. You don't want me to worry? And the angel says, don't worry, don't fear. This is all part of God's plan. God doesn't want them separated. God wants them together. This is God's divine plan for Mary and Joseph. God wants his son to be raised in a family with a father and a mother. So he brings them together. And, and that's the plan. Sometimes God's plans are different than our plans. So God comes in and he sends this angel and he says, here's the plan. I want you to go marry her. Watch. This is great. Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. And then here's the explanation. <laughs> this baby is of God, just like she said. Believe her. I mean, this is an outstanding statement. For that which is conceived in her, second time we've seen it. It's like the Bible wants to make it clear to us, don't doubt it, don't deny it. Believe it. Jesus is born of a virgin. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And I love this. Let's move to verse 21. It says, and she will. There's, there's three things that will happen here. There's, there's a, a she will. There's a you will, which is Joseph. And then there's a he will, which is a Jesus. Look what it says in verse 21. And my eyes, have, you know, I said that earlier, is always on verse 21. And she shall. So here's Mary. And Mary will. And he's giving this explanation have a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus I'm going to explain this she will have a son and Joseph you will name him Jesus and by naming him Joseph is adopting him to where Joseph will now legally be Jesus' father legally not spiritually not physically his father is the heavenly father but now the line through the king which is through David, remains through Joseph. So in naming him, he adopts him. He never, it never says he is the actual father, but the legal father of Jesus. Legal. You need to understand that. And thou shalt call his name 
Jesus, keeping him in the royal line, and he will. You see that? Mary will have a son. Joseph will name him Jesus. And Jesus will. And this is a great statement. This is the main point here. Jesus will be the Savior of his people. Here's the reason for all this. Here's the reason for the birth. Here's the reason why all this is taking place. It's the reason Jesus came. It's the question of the ages. It's the question of Christmas. Why did our children gather up here this morning with a manger and two cute little little kids up here pretending to be Mary, pretending to be Joseph with a baby in a manger. Why all of this scenery? Why do we do it? So that Jesus could come and save sinners. The whole reason behind it all, God has sent us. I love that. Verse 21 is a great verse. For he shall, Jesus, shall save his people from their sins. He sent us exactly what Every single one of us needed. Yes. I wrote down a few things here. We aren't confused in need of an education. We aren't sick in need of healing. We aren't a victim in need of justice. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. Every single one of us need a Savior. I know that sometimes you, you get presents under the tree. I used to do this with my mom all the time. She'd get me things that I needed. And I would get mad because I wanted to, I, I, I liked the things that I wanted. I wanted things to play with. And you'd open it up and you're like, ah, oh, socks. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want socks. But all my other socks have holes in them, so I guess I needed those things. We may want certain things from God. We may want justice. We may want healing. We may want education. We may want money. We may want all the things of the world. But the thing that we all need is a Savior. We're all a bunch of sinners, and we needed a Savior. God sent us what we needed. He's a savior of our sins. Our problem isn't political, and we don't need a politician. Our problem isn't financial. Our problem isn't environmental. Our problem is spiritual. We're all lost in our sin, and we need a savior. We're sinking deep in our sin, and we needed a a God, man, to save us. That's why He came. Don't think it's for any other reason at all. He came to solve our sin problem. We all need a Savior. That's a good verse. That's why my eyes there. The problem of our sin needed a divine solution. And Jesus is that answer. The greatest problem in our society today. Get this. I'm going to go off note here. The greatest problem in our society today is sin. Yes. It's not the economy. Somebody said one time, it's the economy, stupid. And I'm going to reply, it's sin. (laughs) Stupid, yeah. (laughs) I was going to be nice. (laughs) It's not the economy. The problem isn't Democrats. The problem isn't Republicans. The problem isn't government. Problem sin. You know what causes families to break apart? Sin. You know what causes adultery and extramarital and all these different things? Sin. And you know the only solution? That's why we preach Jesus here. That's why we don't preach anything else. Because people come in here from all walks of life with all kinds of different problems, and the answer is all the same. 
And I could preach this same message in the 1500s, in the 1800s, in the 2000s. I could preach it in Africa. I could preach it in Europe. I could preach it in America. I could preach it all over the world today to all races and all classes, the poor and the rich alike, because we're all sinners and we all need a Savior. And He is the world's Savior. And I don't want you to think that I... Don't be confused here. There is only one Savior. Because there is only one God-man. He is the Savior. He is the only way to, to God. And He says, I am the way, the truth, and life. And no man gets to God but by me. Yeah. It's the only way. I don't want you to think that there's... He is not only the Savior of our sins. He is the only Savior of our sins. There is no other Savior because there is no other God-man. We've got to make that crystal clear to everybody here today. And it may offend some. And it may think that I, I'm narrow-minded. And I need to open up my understanding. But the Bible says there's only one Savior that can save us from our sins. And it's Jesus Christ. He is the reason for all of this. I love that. He came to save that baby. First thing that come to my mind this morning is, was too late the baby down in the manger. Because that baby is sweet and precious and wonderful, but that baby came to die for my sins. That baby came to die for the sins of his people. It says there, for he shall save his people from their sins. We can stop there and do an altar call. I can tell you, you need a savior. He won't answer every every problem in your life. Will answer the problem of your life. Yeah. Let's move on to the final point. That's a good point. We saw a supernatural birth and we saw a saving birth. I'm going to show you the third one, a scheduled birth. Don't you love those scheduled births? I've had four. They've all been scheduled. There's never been a time where we're sitting at the house and Steph looks at me and says, uh-oh. <laughs> And we have to get up, we have to go, run out, and then, you know, you, all those things that come with it. It's, I don't know if it's common today, but that's how it is, has been with us, where the doctor says, here's the date, here's the time, be here then, you'll have the baby on this day, on this time, in this way. And usually it happens in that way. There's a schedule to it all. And don't you think that if doctors are scheduling births today, that God the Father in heaven, as a trinity in eternity past, didn't schedule the exact day and time and way that his son will be born. He had it scheduled. He had it marked out from the before the foundation of the world. If God has a calendar, he had the date, he had the time, he had Mary, he had Joseph, he had all those animals that's going to be around that manger. He had it all planned out before the beginning of time. In the fullness of time, Galatians 4 says, Jesus came. In the exact time, in the, in the, when the fruit was ripe, Jesus showed up. In, in the way that he should have, in, in the time that he should have. Because you said, where are you getting that at? Where are you getting a schedule at? Well, it's easy here. Look at verse 22. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying. And then he quotes Isaiah 7, 14. And it goes back to the passage I read at the start of the service. 700 years before it happened. Don't you think this wasn't scheduled? Let me say it this way. This wasn't unplanned. This wasn't God in heaven trying to figure things out. <laughs> you know, Joseph, I think, he'll, I, think he'll, I think he'll say yes. You know, he didn't go to Mary and say, Mary, will you please have this child? <laughs> There's no, at no point in this does Mary say, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> or let me think about it for a little while. 
He had it all planned. This was not unplanned. This was not made up. This wasn't thrown together on the last minute like some of us do our Christmas shopping. <laughs> you know, some people plan a month ahead and have their stuff done already. Some people are Christmas Eve still asking, what do you want? <laughs> this birth was planned. Perfectly and prophetically planned. Again, determined in eternity past. This is exactly how God planned it to happen. And the verse says, Behold a virgin. Do you see that? Now, third time it's said. Third time. It's like this passage is screaming to us. He's the God man. He's not Joseph, isn't his father. God is. He's the son of God. Behold a virgin shall be with child, and she shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. A great verse showing us his plan, it's promised, it's prophesied, it's anticipated, and here it is, it's now fulfilled. 700 years later, God planned it, God prophesied it to send his son into the world, and he would be, you get this, Emmanuel. Not the name that he was called, but what he was. He's not only the Savior, again, sitting in that manger. He is God come down to earth. Emmanuel. He is God with us. I love those three words. You do understand it. Jesus is God with us. He's not over us. He's not around us. But he is here with us. Our God. This is the best part of the whole passage. I mean, it, it just keeps getting better and better. It's a supernatural birth. It's a saving birth. And now it's a scheduled birth where God says, I'm going to go and dwell with man. I saw their sin. I saw their struggle. I saw their tears. I saw what they're going through. And I have come down. To be with them. Oh, what a glorious passage this is. God is with us. Those two words shouldn't happen. God with us. A bunch of sinners and a holy God. It shouldn't come together. But we have a great God. A holy God. A righteous God. And a gracious God. And He's come down to be with us. I mean, we should be rejoicing over that fact that God came down to us. We couldn't, oh, this is a great song. When we couldn't go to him, he came to us. What a, what a truth. This is good Christmas preaching. Amen. He came to us, our infinitely great God. And I don't think that passage wows us like it should. Because if, if we see how high he is, and we see how low we are, then God with us would shock us. What? He's with us. He created the world. And He rules over it now. He holds it all up by His power. He is omnipotent, which means all-powerful. He's omniscient, which means all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He is an Mysterious, transcendent God. In heaven, throughout all eternity, worshipped by angels where they cry, Holy, holy, holy. Throughout all time. Angels say he is other, other, other. We've never seen anything like him before. That's what angels say. And angels are something we've never seen before. And if they see God and say, He's remarkable. 
Can you imagine? And he has now, in his son, personally came down to us. What condescension. The one who is worshipped by angels has now come down to walk with lepers. To be with the poor. To eat with sinners. To be with the distressed. To be with the disabled. To feed the hungry and to heal the sick. Amen. He has come down to be with sinful humanity. He has come down to us. If that is not the greatest gift that has ever been given in the history of the world, I don't know what is. He has come to us. John 1 says he took on flesh and dwelt. You get that? I love that word dwelt. Dwelt among us. You know what the word dwelt means? He lived with us. If I dwell with my kids, get this. This, uh, this picture in my mind, if I dwell with my kids, it means when they play Legos in the floor, Daddy gets down on the floor and plays with them. They always do that. I want to sit back and watch TV, and they play with Legos. They say, Daddy, play with us. And I'll sit there and watch TV with a Lego like this right here. <laughs> you know? I'm like, no, Daddy. We want you down here. And then I get out of my chair, and I get down on my belly, and I grab a Lego, and I start doing... And they kill my God. <laughs> he didn't just reach an arm down. Remember, I showed you this. He came all the way down. Yeah, He got down with us in the dirt, and he ate with us, and he lived among us, and he died for us. Oh, what a Savior. Yes. That He would come down to us, become like us, live a life for us, and stood in our place and took our sin and died for us. He knows us, He loves us, and He came down to us. What we have lost in Adam, we have now gained in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And get this, your sinner saying, oh, he's not with us anymore. He came down to them, not with us. But I seem to think that maybe Matthew 28 says, as he's going up, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. That he will never leave us, and he'll never forsake us. But he'll go with us every step of the way. And I don't know about you guys, but when I got saved, I got that same Holy Spirit of God living within me. And I now have God, not just with us, but I have God within me. This is a great statement that God now not only dwells with us, He even said that, I'm going to go again. And they say, we don't want you to go. He said, I want to send a greater one to, to come after I leave. When the greater one comes, He won't be just with you. He will be within you. He'll give you a new heart. He'll give you new desires. It'll be the greatest thing in the world. And now we have God within us. What a glorious truth. What fellowship we have. He understands us. He helps us. He walks with us every single day. Oh my, what a great God we have. Yes. 
This is glorious truth. Wow. And then we move on. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta finish here. We're doing well on time. Well, let, let me finish this schedule. As of verse 24, the schedule's completed. It's followed. <laughs> verse 24. As the angel comes and tells Joseph. Now Joseph could have woke up and said, Wow, I had some bad Mexican the night before. <laughs> and the whole plan would have been thrown off. Right? I mean, but I think Joseph woke up and said, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart... I ain't going to sing it all. <laughs> I don't sing Look at verse 24. And Joseph being raised from sleep. And that was the best nap he ever had. All those worries. Every single one of them that he laid down with. Have you ever laid down with a whole lot of worries? You ever laid down with a whole lot on you? And you wake up and feel a whole lot better? Here's Joseph. He laid down with every worry in the world. And he woke up with a smile on his face. God just made every, every bit of it better. He just, basically, Joseph's waking up and saying, a lowly little me, God has chosen to take care of his son? Wow! So Joseph, raised from sleep, did. It's a big word, I underlined it. Did. He obeyed. And did exactly as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. And he went and took unto him Mary to be his wife. And now that plan... That the Trinity had put together before time began has now come to fruition when Joseph says, Yes. Oh, and they come together and they marry one another, marry with child. And it says here in verse 25, And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. They didn't consummate their marriage until after she had Jesus. The angel didn't tell Joseph to do that. But Joseph is a just man. Yeah. And a righteous man. And he knew that if he did that, people might say that he was the father. So he says, I'm going to go. I'm not going to do it until after she has this baby. And he knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son. And see this. And he... Who was it that had to name Jesus in order to adopt him? Joseph. And he, Joseph, called his name Jesus. And this is the most unique birth in the history of the world. Are you with me? It just shocks and wows. What an amazing birth. A supernatural birth, a saving birth. This is your Savior.
He seeks and saves those that are that Christ Jesus came into the add a title under your name. People always ask you, what do you do for a living? That's what I am. That's what people ask what you I got a little bit extra time here today, and I feel pretty good. Is the Titanic sinks in one? There's the Titanic. Say how hot it would be. And I'm saying I'm the chiefest. I'm worse than you, Paul. I, I know I am. I know more. I've seen more. I... They can save people from their sins. And that number, right? I don't even you, we can make up a number. Like Emma, she likes to make up words. Bugagillion, you know, just, just throwing a word out there. see your forgiveness and he doesn't see it anymore. Yeah. How wonderful he is. I love it. You're here today and you're lost. You're trying, you know, New Year's resolution. I'll be a better person. You can't do it. Simple. 
You need to bow your head here today and you need to say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I ask Him to forgive me of my sin. He loves to save. So will you do that today? We'll do an altar call in just a second. I want you, please do it. He is not faced. You say, well, I'm going through this. He understands. And he loves and he cares and he came down. Well, I'm going through this. Oh, he cares. He cares so much. He's not a, get this, he's not an apathetic savior. Where could I go? Thank you for this glorious passage. Oh, what a Savior. Being there for me. They wouldn't see Josh, but they would see us. Please come work by your spirit.